Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast. My name is Anthony. And my name is Gary. Hi, Gary. How are you? <laughs> That's not my name. What's up, buddy? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I, I was pretty okay. Now I'm a, a little... Now you're upset? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I, I feel like I should be upset, but I guess I'm not. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I stayed up till about three in the morning. Yeah, uh, me too. Working on a working for a client. They had a one of the discs died in their raid. So it was a it was a lot of fun. I bet. Sounds like a blast. <laughs> I just worked from home today. I, I woke up at like eight thirty and I was like, Yeah, I'm just gonna work from home today. So Yeah, for real, right? How about you? Same, you know, up till 3 a.m., tossing and turning. I had some stomach issues, and then it started raining, and I got a skylight in my restroom attached to my bedroom, and uh, it gets really loud and echoey when it rains hard. So (laughs) I'm working on very little sleep and a lot of coffee. Fair enough, fair enough. So while we are sleep-deprived today, we're here to talk about a movie made by other sleep-deprived people (laughs) called Occupation Rainfall. Occupation Rainfall. If y'all are tuning in for the first time here in the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast, we review straight to stream science fiction, visual entertainment media, be it movies like today, television shows, fan films, whatever. This did have a theatrical release. However, in our region, the United States, it did not. So it went straight to VOD or stream here. So it counts. (laughs) <laughs> I think we agreed a long time ago that even if it has a theatrical release and there's no way that we could have seen it. Yes, it's okay. that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, correct. Uh, and since it's our podcast and we make the rules, here we are. We can do whatever we want. Why don't you tell people what Occupation Rainfall is? Occupation Rainfall, with its very, very short description on Wikipedia, is a 2020 Australian science fiction action film written and directed by Luke Spark. It is a sequel to the 2018 film Occupation, which, if memory serves me correct, was our fourth fourth episode? Fifth episode? No, you are extremely inaccurate. Really? Yeah. No, no, it was number five. Man, I was off. All right. I was thinking it was like <laughs> I was thinking it was like way later. Well, no, was it really number four or number five? It was the fourth one we recorded. Yeah. And then we we rearranged things a little bit. That's right. So it was very, very early movie for us. I think if I remember right, the reason why I remember it so well is it was the one that I think it has like our like in my opinion, our funniest joke, unintentional joke. <laughs> Where oh. um and then she decides to have a baby. <laughs> then she decides <laughs> <laughs> That scene in the first occupation is actually, I think to this day, one of the most intense scenes that we've watched for the podcast. Yeah. It was very, very intense. intense. So in universe it takes place a year later, a year and a half, something like that. It's two years since the invasion, which we saw the invasion in the first one. Uh, there is some time lapse in the first movie, several months. So it's hard to tell exactly how long it's been. Yeah. Most of our uh, characters return. One of those characters is performed by, acted by a different person. Mm-hmm. Jet Tranter, if I'm pronouncing that cor- correctly, plays Amelia Chambers in this film. While in the previous film, Amelia Chambers was played by Stephanie Jacobson. Um that's all. That's all I had on that. Uh, everyone else is returning, more or less. Um, some time has passed, so they've kind of redone some of the relationships, that type of thing. It's a very different film. Just to throw some facts at the wall before I before I give you the floor, Chris, to give your thoughts and opinions. Occupation is, or excuse me, Occupation Rainfall is sitting at five point seven at a ten star rating on IMDb with over thirteen thousand reviews. 
Out of those 13,000 reviews, 42% of them rated it a 9 out of 10, which, um, yeah, I don't know how the weighted average works in IMDb. I need to read more about it. (laughs) Overall weighted average of 5.7, but most of the votes being in the 8 or 9 range. On Rotten Tomatoes, it is sitting at 47% rotten with 17 critical reviews and an audience score of 82%. So pretty good rift there. I didn't find this on Metacritic. Were you able to find it on Metacritic, Chris? It's a negative. Okay, so it's not on Metacritic that for whatever reason. It doesn't matter why, but it's not there. So <laughs> that's kind of where this, this film is sitting in the world right now, uh, as far as the global ratings and whatnot. But Chris, why don't you give us your ratings, your opinions? Let us know what you thought. I would like to state a fact oh, for man. the record. Uh, for the record, go for, for it. For the record. Uh, the original Occupation that came out in 2018 is currently sitting at a 4.7 out of 10. Oh, based yes. Based on 18,000 oh. reviews, with the majority of those scores being 10. Interesting. Who knows at what point that flipped. I don't remember it being like that. If anyone wants to go back and listen to that episode and tell us what it was, feel free, because I'm not going to. Yeah. I think this is overall a better movie. Okay. In such a way that the original one was so bad that they only could go up. And I think for the most part, they do succeed. Like, this is a better movie. I think the acting is better. Yeah. The action sequences are better. I think for the most part, most of the effects are better. Set pieces, the cinematography probably could use some work. There were some weird, confusing shots that I didn't really get. Editing seemed to be okay. Costuming was better. The props were better. They got some higher profile actors to be in this one. Jason Isaacs. I don't know if yeah. you know who that is. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. He plays the voice of a character, uh, Steve, the spoilers, Steve the Alien. He's in there in the opening scene. I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just like, hold on a second. Jason Isaacs? That guy's a famous actor who's like trained on the stage. And I think he's won some awards and he's, you know. There's a voice actor in this yeah. thing. So that's cool. That's rad. I'm, I, I like that. They definitely expanded upon the lore, like the, the background information of the aliens, which I thought was cool. I, if I remember right, I think we were hesitant in the original one because we just weren't sure why, like what the point was, like what were these aliens doing? You know, obviously they came to conquer Earth because that's what aliens do. Yeah, you know. that's like their whole purpose. Yeah, that's the cliche or whatever. Oh, no, aliens. Take me to your leader uh, so we can kill him. Yeah, I think this is a better movie. Still bad. Still kind of bad. I watched this movie while I was working last night. So in between getting frustrated with trying to repair a raid um, and ultimately deciding to virtualize a server, I was watching this movie. And the second half is definitely better than the first half. I think everything that happens in Sydney probably could have just been condensed into maybe like a short film. Because this movie is two hours and eight minutes. I felt every single minute of 128 minutes. I think they probably could have cut out maybe 20 or 30 minutes of that and made that like a small prequel short film and then did the rest of the movie. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Okay. So it's it's interesting that you said that because there is a short called Op- Occupation Rainfall, Sydney Escape. It's four minutes. Mm. So it's a oh, no, bucket. never mind. That's so not a short. That's just some extra look. So I bought this movie, okay? Okay. And it was $5.99 or $9.99, and it included all of the bonus content, like deleted scenes that I have not watched. It's 13 minutes of deleted scenes. So I saw this other thing. I thought it was a short, but it's not. It's just like an orchestra-only version of some of them leaving Sydney. Okay. Uh, I have two pages of notes. Hit me. For this movie. I don't want to go in chronological order because they're not that exciting. 
I think that this movie is better than the previous one. And I think that it is worse than the previous one. <laughs> it has a slightly more coherent story. Characters make, while I don't always agree with their decisions, the decisions make sense for their characters. If that yeah. tracks. There is some bad CGI. There's some inconsistent CGI. I think the alien's faces being CGI'd, like, like uh, Gary's face, it looks better in the last half of the movie than it does the first half. So I'm not sure, like they just ran out of budget as they were touching up his face. I, I'm not sure. Or maybe I just got used to it. Maybe that's on me. Did you notice that at all? Or is that... I figured there had to have been some sort of a computer generated imagery because it was pretty obvious at the beginning. Well, no makeup is that good. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> like, I'm sure that some of it was costuming. Like, obviously, when they're just the aliens are just standing around, probably got like a mold. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of Gary in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, when he's when he's talking like there's there's some scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there were some places where there were practical effects that were better than the CGI and some scenes where the CGI was better than the practical effects. I don't know if they made all of the right decisions there, but it was good enough. Like, I'm not complaining, just pointing it out. Everyone still has really nice haircuts, but uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're fighting an underground war. Um, I think we called the first one like Red Dawn Australia. Yeah. Uh, Red so. Dawn with aliens, right? That's basically what it is. And uh, everyone's got a nice trim. I think I preferred the first movie. So the the area that this movie was better in, the action and the, the overall, just kind of maybe the flow of things. And I really did like the action. You talked about the cinematography a little bit. The air battles, the fighter jets versus the alien saucer type drone things were really, really well done. I liked it. I liked some of the tracking with the camera. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very Star Wars-esque, right? It felt great. The ground battles that took place on a soundstage, I mean, I've seen enough Star Trek to recognize a soundstage when I see one. Still looked good. It still worked really, really well. The backgrounds were great. So overall, I think this, it's got a much bigger budget. The first movie had a budget of $6 million. This movie has a budget of just over $18 million. I'm showing it is $25 million Australian dollars. Right. And I just yeah. did the math since hmm. most of our listeners are you know, American. Plus the first one I found listed in US dollars. So I converted the second <laughs> one. So it's got triple the budget. So you'd expect those things, right? You'd expect better sets, better costuming, better CGI, better practical effects, the whole nine yards. I'd be very interested to see how much of that $18 million Ken Jong took. Very interested to see actually. <laughs> this movie is not three times as good as the last one. The last movie told a much more interesting story. As much as we blasted it for some of its leaps of logic, some of the characters acting in their own agency when they shouldn't, the character of Amelia in particular. Oh my goodness. I think she was one of our most hated characters for a very long time in any anything that we've watched. She arbitrarily made decisions on behalf of humanity. She did arbitrarily <laughs> make decisions on behalf of humanity. And if I recall correctly, I was upset with the way she treated her significant other. We didn't like her. Despite all that, I feel like the first movie told a much more human story. We followed these characters as they're dealing with the stresses and the, I guess, the horrors of war and blah, 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 right? As with this alien invasion, this alien occupation. Well, in this, this movie, Occupation Rainfall, we don't get any of that. It's a big, I guess, the, the character progression, the only character progression in the film is in the character of Matt Simmons, played by Dan uh, Ewing, in which he begrudgingly works with an alien who's turncoat and is well, working with us, and then eventually actually trusts that alien. But there's no actual impact because he was already doing what he was told and working with the alien. And he started the movie with having doubts about the fact that 
alien civilians were getting caught in collateral damage or in direct attack. The resistance forces weren't making a distinction between the alien civilian population and their soldiers. And he obviously had a, a little bit of a problem with that. And so they were, they, they were setting it up for him to have this kind of character arc where he would overcome his like a xenophobia or what have you, but it never really happened because I don't think it was 100% there to begin with. He was just doing what he needed to do. And so, yeah, I feel like it, it kind of fell flat in the character development. Like they traded out all of the character development in the first movie for a whole bunch of action, which was pretty good. But I don't know, I'm, I'm upset they kind of seemingly abandoned the character stories from the first movie. So I think that's why I prefer the first one. I do recall that I said the first movie would only be worth the price of subscription if it set up a sequel that was worth watching. And I'm I'm still not sure. I'm going to formulate that opinion. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out before the end of the podcast. Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. But those are my that was my initial kind of impressions. Yeah, I uh I get what you're saying when it comes to the the character development. I think the problem is is that it's so haphazardly placed because mm. the opportunity that we get to learn about what's happened because we don't really Right. For the most part, right. we are unsure of how the war has progressed, obviously negatively in favor of humanity. Yeah, but we still have an air force. So we have know. enough land to launch fighter jets. I don't know. I've got a 30 minute rant on how <laughs> no planetary space force would have any problem conquering a planet that cannot leave its own atmosphere with the military. Well, we talked about in the last movie, the aliens have a giant spaceship that they land, but the spaceship goes all the way out into space. That's massive. Yeah. So there, there is a big issue in both of these movies with the size of things. The, the proportions of things don't make sense. Oh, I mean, I'm strictly referring to like how in any movie that involves a space force that is attempting to pacify a planet, they are always portrayed incorrectly. If you out in space with a giant gun, you could kill everyone on the ground and then move on. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There is an opportunity, like when he, because when the first movie ends, I think for the most part, the only thing that was different about Matt was he had a scar that wasn't there at some point. <laughs> like, th yeah. there was some, He, he there talks was about in this movie how it, how, where it came from. But. No, 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 no. No, I'm talking at the end of the first one. He got shot in the head. Right, Remember? Right, right. And then he doesn't have that anymore, which is yeah, no big deal. What? But this one, he has a big scar on the left side of his face from where a bomb exploded that was meant to kill Amelia. I believe his then fiance, wife, whatever their relationship was. Yeah. And then he realized, like, because I guess the very next day, while he's still recovering... Amelia is like, what did I do wrong to cause this issue? And he, and in his mind, he's like, yo, they just tried to assassinate you. Why are you trying to figure out what you did wrong? I guess the, that's the strain. Like that, that's character development, but we don't see it. Like, I don't know why we couldn't, why couldn't yeah. we get that? Why couldn't yeah. we have like a flashback? You know, cause I think they're on like day 891 or something like that. So it's something, however many years or months that is post uh, original invasion. But I mean, we could have skipped I don't know how many scenes we could have cut some fat from this movie and just had a flashback of well, like, you want to know how I got these scars? Like they could have done that. <laughs> well, and honestly, like that's that's actually like you said, that's actual character progression. But instead, we're just kind of left to fill in the blanks. And it doesn't even really matter like because that time in between the movies doesn't matter. They could have yeah. rewrote this script to have absolutely nothing to do with the first movie and it still would have worked. And that's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I read somewhere that this movie, that the occupation movies are just upside down Independence Day. Yeah, a little bit. Because <laughs> they do more fighting on the ground than they do in the air. So 
you know, oh, upside, I was thinking it was Australia. That's why you did yeah. the, the upside down yeah. thing. Yeah. From what I can gather from the little bit of internet research I've done, there is a lot of support for this movie because it is Australian made with Australian actors coming to Australian cinema. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that, um, I guess, national pride. That is, I think, part of the reason it's getting more positive fan reviews. I think a lot of that's coming from that community. And I, I don't know how I feel about that personally but <laughs> i come from america where most movies are made and so i don't have to worry about our fledgling <laughs> entertainment industry it is the leading yep. entertainment industry hollywood's right yeah, over there right so my initial gut reaction is to say that's dumb don't just support something because it's local make sure it's actually good before you give him three times as much money again to make occupation rainfall chapter two you know just evaluate what you're supporting but that's all i'm gonna <laughs> well, say about that speaking of evaluating i want to talk about some of the actors yeah let's do that dan ewing returns as matt simmons reprising his role i guess he's considered our lead i think he would be yeah yeah, yeah. this is like it's like an ensemble cast to an extent i guess but uh tamira morrison Django Fett comes back. Looking good. He's had a, I don't want to say he's had a career renaissance because I don't know what he was in before Star Wars, but I don't think it was a whole lot. Mm. I take that back. He's been acting since 1973. Uh, Wow. Okay. (laughs) He wasn't a regular actor until about the late or mid to late 80s. And then he, you know, obviously was Django Fett. And then retroactively Boba Fett. And then now also Boba Fett again. (laughs) But yeah, not spoilers. retroactively. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. Daniel Gillies or uh, Giles? Gills? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. There's an I where there's, there's not Gillies. Supposed to be an I. Yeah. I recognized him and I couldn't figure out where he was from. Then I started doing my research. He plays a character called Elijah Michelson from the Vampire Diaries universe. That's the last <sighs> time you'll hear me talk about that on um, this particular episode. But I think he did a pretty good job. He's a great villain, even though he's. Not supposed to be a villain, but he is a villain somehow. He's a foil for Amelia's character. Gary the Alien was played by a guy named Lawrence Macare. I hope I pronounced that right, Lawrence. I'm sorry. Big guy who was Lurtz the Urukai. Oh, from the Lord of okay. The Rings Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's in Die Another Day. Yeah, in The Hobbit. Yeah, he played more than one character in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Played the Witch King as well. Mm, Yeah, yeah, very cool. Okay, so I mean, he's getting typecast a little bit because he is a he's a large dude, very imposing, but he's making the best of it. Those are some pretty big franchises to be in. As for our returning actors, the other ones that remain are Zach Jared, who played Dennis. I think he was the vagabond, right, from the first movie that somehow became a yeah. Tristan Go returns as Marcus Chambers, and then Izzy Stevens returns as Isabel Bartlett. Do they even say her name in the movie? He does call her Isabel or Bella. It says Bella Uh, a lot. Okay, okay. But yeah, and then a bunch, a host of new actors. Uh, we talked about Jet already. Uh, Mark Cole Smith is Captain Wessex. The aforementioned Ken Jong. He's obviously there for comedic relief, and he he does comedy so so well. It's a little odd, I guess, that he shows up. I wrote it down. He shows up an hour and twenty minutes into this movie. Besides, like twenty seconds at the very beginning, right? He shows right. up an hour and twenty minutes into this movie, and suddenly it's full of comedy. <laughs> like there's a tonal shift. Once he gets there, it's a little odd. There's a big new character called Abraham, played by David Roberts, who I believe is, isn't he Amelia and Marcus's father? I think that that's like, it's, or he's some kind of father figure or something, but like, I don't know, he's like always holding Amelia's hand. Was he in the first movie? 
I don't think so. I don't, I don't see him in the credits. No, but I mean the character. Right. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he was because they owned a restaurant. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No. Nah. All right. Yeah. Well, what do you know? And then we'll go ahead and give credit to the stunt suit actors. Yes. Brad McMurray played Gary the Aliens and Ben Chisholm played the alien Steve while Jason Isaacs did the voice. So. And then there was a Miss Eliza Mattingu. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, played the the leader of the alien race. Yes. The, which were nicknamed the Greys. And I assume she'll show up more in the sequel. It's kind of how they were setting her up. So, yeah. I did not enjoy the cliffhanger. No. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> My notes end abruptly and angrily. <laughs> this movie. I am on the record that Halo 2 is the worst Halo because it has the worst ending of all of the games. Yes. Let's make that comparison. Cliffhangers are bad. For Unless the most part, it's yes. a movie called Cliffhanger. Starring In which case, Sylvester you need Stallone. more cliffhangers <laughs> is really what we need. The, so, okay, let's talk about that then. I have a lot of questions. I have some sure. out-of-universe questions, and I have some in-universe questions. Where would you like to start? Let's go ahead and start with the in-universe questions and how my... I want to I ask a question first. Yeah, please. How is the United States military somehow less successful at resisting an alien invasion than the Australian military? Because it's not... The Australia military was successful. It's that the small town, you know, there's yeah. a small farming town rising up. It was, it's the whole Red Dawn situation. That's the, it's the Grey Dawn, right? Like that's the whole idea. Cause even in Red Dawn, right? The US military is basically worthless. They get overrun by, <laughs> yeah, by paratroopers. Yeah. And then <laughs> a bunch of teenagers are able to rise up. So that's, that's the idea. I, I did enjoy <laughs> the throwaway line about how the assault by the Europeans and the Americans didn't work. So like they're mentioning that they have some sort yeah. of communication with them, that type of thing. And who knows, maybe they've been successful and this was like some big attack they were doing. Maybe they've been mm -hmm. more successful. And by that, I mean, maybe the fact that there's resistance in Asia and Europe uh, and America and it's spreading everyone so thin that Australia is able to fight back more because there's less forces. Who knows? I at least appreciated they acknowledged it, even if it wasn't exactly what I would expect. It's much better than you compared it to Independence Day, where it looked like in Independence Day, it looks like the other nations of the world are just waiting for America to come yeah. along and figure it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's about bloody time. What do yeah. they want us to do? That's an exact line from the movie. It is. I know. I watched it last month. It was 4th of July. You watched Occupation and then immediately watched Independence Day to cleanse your palate? No. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't how you do an alien invasion. My question is a little bit more of a moral one. When Matt sees the alien children at the occupation center where they're free, they go in, the strike force, and they free the prisoners the human prisoners. He's gunning down aliens. He sees the children there. He's like pointing his gun at first because he's, you know, he's reacting and then he walks away, leaving them. And then he knows the whole place is about to get bombed. You can tell he's a little confused about it. And this is going to lead into bigger questions for later on in the film, obviously. But at that point, would you have done anything different than than Matt? Or as he's called right there, Drop Bear Actual, which was <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Drop Bear, baby. I don't know. They're prisoners, right? No, talking about the beginning of the movie. They're freeing human prisoners. Yes, they're freeing human prisoners. And but the aliens are there. Right, obviously. They're also yep. prisoners. They're also prisoners, right? No. Why would the alien children be there then? I That was going to be a follow-up question. Yeah. Was like, why were the kids even near that area? Maybe they were just in a car driving by when that happened. I say car, hover, vehicle, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I mean... 
they're technically civilians because I mean they're non-combatants, but I just I don't know. I've never been in this scenario, but I can only say that in my head right now. I mean, I wouldn't have shot him. <laughs> I would have been like, "You should probably leave. This drop bear is going to be dropping some bombs on you guys here in a minute." Yeah, but. it just. I don't know. Like at the very beginning, it made me ask the question about whether or not you do make like when you're at war with someone on that scale, when the enemy is more or less looking for your extinction or complete slavery and you're decimated. They they mentioned that billions of humans have died, like over half the population of the earth is dead. Do you have the discretion or do you have the luxury of having the discretion of combatant versus non-combatant? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, history is not kind. No, no, it is not. <laughs> no, it is I not. I think she, uh, Amelia, in the the last movie, compares the aliens to Christopher Columbus or James Cook. Yeah. As far as, you know, they're here and we're gonna have to figure out how to deal with them. Like, this is, you know, this is, hap- we've done this to ourselves before, right? And then she defies the government and frees a bunch <laughs> of prisoners and says, here, do you want a gun? You can come fight for us. And somehow the greys are like, well, that sounds great. And they don't betray them at all. Yeah. That was so dumb, and I'm I'm so upset that I'm uh, I'm remembering it. Oh my goodness! So those were your in universe questions. What's your out of universe? No. So let me make sure that's all my in universe. Oh, just a comment in universe. The giant spider esque monster they fought. Awesome. The quote unquote apex predator. Yeah, they could have come up with a better name, but it was one of the most alien monsters I've I think I've ever seen. The way it moved was alien. The way it, the, its mouth was alien. Like everything about it. Because we see that a lot in the, especially in Star Wars, which is, I think, the, the comparison to make here. But also in the newer Star Treks, that type of thing, where they get to a planet and they're fighting whatever. There's a Rancor or whatever those things were in Episode 2, right? They're fighting a bunch of stuff. But all of those just, at the end of the day, look similar enough to real creatures. This thing was nuts. This was something out of Gears of War. The way it rolled around, I was very, very impressed with the just the design and how they used that big creature, especially after they showed the other alien creatures, basically giant dogs that they ride like horses. (laughs) Boxes. Yeah. So very, very impressed with that. And I, I guess that's out of universe and in universe. I'm not sure. Out of universe. This movie ends. Spoiler alert. This movie ends with a title screen. It says Occupation Rainfall. Chapter one, obviously inferring that there's going to be a chapter two (laughs) and feelings aside about there being a third movie and about them teasing a third movie, even though I don't see one in pre-production on IMDb and I haven't found anything about it. So maybe it's a maybe it never gets resolved. I don't know. Do you think that that was the right place to stop the story? No, absolutely not. Would you have stopped it earlier, later? This is going to be two different movies with Whatever happened here plus whatever is about to happen, where would you have delineated them? I think I would have ended it probably right after, I think that first, I don't want to say like, because the the battle doesn't end at that mountain complex, that NORAD, the low rent NORAD. I did call it that. As if this was America, <laughs> they would be in NORAD right now, hands down. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of NORAD, I definitely appreciate, there's a scene where they just straight up filmed in the same place where Stargate SG-1 has been filmed. I guarantee it. I don't know. If, I think they filmed only in Australia. I don't think they filmed, or New Zealand maybe. I don't think they filmed in Canada. Or or they, they somehow found a way to dress the set exactly like SG-1. I'll, I'll find the scene and send it to you. Um, I probably would have done it after they escaped. Like, I mean, yeah. it's close enough to where they did, but they didn't have like... Escaped Sydney or escaped NORAD? 
Escape Norad. Like gotcha. when they're getting out and the base explodes. In my opinion, that movie should have ended with them driving away on their little Mad Max caravan. And then that's it. Like she goes over to sit by her fella, uh, Captain Wessex. And then the movie just fades to black. And then maybe mm. you get like a post in title sequence of Matt, Izzy, or Bella, Marcus, and Gary like all in different holding cells on the alien mothership and then that's it. Okay. I mean, because it still would have been a cliffhanger, but I, I don't think it needs... I already know it's going to be... There's going to be two movies at this point when at the two-hour mark... Nothing's resolved. Yeah, like there's still a gigantic alien spaceship hovering over the Earth, right? Like I know that there's going to be a sequel because they're not going to end the movie by killing off all of humanity. As different and interesting as that might have actually been, they didn't do that. So I knew there was going to be another movie. I didn't need to be beaten over the head by the director with him like doing this big shot of them like coming up to like the elder alien queen. And then, yeah, I didn't need that. I didn't need any of that. I didn't mind it. I wouldn't have had Tamura Morrison in this movie at all, except for in a closing scene to tease a sequel. That's where I would have okay. stopped Matt's story. I would have found some way, because like, the movie feels so disjointed in that they have all the scenes in Sydney and the escape from Sydney, which is a long time into the movie. And then you have the, his travel, Matt's travel, and then you have his time with Django Fett and Ken Jeong. So he's already got three distinct bits. I mean, there's smaller bits in there, but that's the big picture. There's three distinct bits. I don't, I, and I, so his story should have stopped earlier. And then I think you still could have done almost I mean, pretty much everything with Amelia's story. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like it, I felt this way about the first movie as well. It's like, they're too long. This guy suddenly got more money and he's like, oh, we need to make more movie. I think I mentioned in the yeah. first movie as well. I think I think Occupation might be the very first film I ever said it should have been a television series instead <laughs> or a miniseries instead. And I kind of feel the same way about this one. It's already in different chunks of story. Let's do this. Like, let's let's break it up some more. You could have had an hour and a half long movie. You could have flushed out some things, showed some scenes, had better character progression and still kept it to an hour and a half. Put Take all those other ideas, throw them in the next movie. I don't know. You mentioned the editing kind of being eh, and I think it is. It's kind of, it's weirdly paced. I mentioned Ken Jeong showing up and suddenly there's a huge chunk of comedy in the film, which is fine, but it's not there for the first hour and 20 minutes. I mean, there's some scenes that I don't want to say they're played for laughs, but you, there are some comedic moments. There's some comedic moments, but it, it really yeah. starts hitting. It goes zero to 60 really quickly when he shows up, <laughs> you know? So the, the original occupation was one hour and 59 minutes. So literally a shade under two hours. Yeah. I think occupation should have been a four, a four parter on Netflix or something. Yeah. You know, let's just go ahead and do it right now. The beginning is they're at the football game. Or the, I'm sorry, the rugby game. Yep. They're playing rugby, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. rugby. The drop um, bears. Well, because we, well, we talk about how there's Australian football, football, soccer, and rugby all in Australia at the same time. So congratulations to them. They've done it. They could have done that, and then the initial invasion, and then they find the clearing, and then that part ends. That could have been two episodes on a 10-episode arc. You could have had the aliens showing up in the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, the second part is them essentially doing the Red Dawn montage sequence thing. And then it ends with them being rescued by the by the Australian military. And then this movie, where it starts, that's part three. That's where they get to Sydney. All the stuff happens with Amelia that we don't get to see, that we absolutely should have got to see. 
Yep. And then that ends with them escaping from Sydney. And then Matt going off on his own special little mission. He goes walkabout. And then the fourth part is just them fighting in NORAD. And then Matt finding, um, I think what you're saying is correct. They probably shouldn't have had Tamura Morrison in this movie. Maybe that's where it should have ended with them being attacked by that weird spider crab looking thing. And then it blows up. And then maybe like he's laying there on the ground and it's fading to black. And then you just hear his voice. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever he says. That's a proper tease. This movie just escalates and escalates and escalates and escalates and goes, oh, and it just stops for no reason. It doesn't. I, I, I think I complained about this with Loki a few weeks ago where it just keeps escalating and then there's no resolution. I get that there's going to be more. I get that there's going to be a sequel, but please resolve something like have the movie stand on its own two feet. Right now, Occupation Rainfall is set up to as a movie between two other movies that you have to watch in order to to enjoy this one. And that's not good. It's not good <laughs> filmmaking. That's I, in my uneducated opinion. I mean, your uneducated opinion agrees with the 5.7, I believe. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's only a 5.7 because mm-hmm. 5,300 people gave it a 9. <laughs> yeah, I think that the 5.7 is about right. I think the previous movie being out of what is a 4.7 is probably right. I just, good for them for dreaming and, and shooting for the stars. But I think this movie, and to an extent the previous one, would have prospered under a more limited budget if they said you only have 10 million dollars for this you have to make it work i think we could have seen a little bit more ingenuity a little more creativity i think that they had the money for all these big action sets and scenes so they did that instead of telling the character stories right so i think that that would have forced them to be a little bit more creative and uh, overall i i do think that this movie's worth the price of subscription if it shows up on a a streaming service i wouldn't do what i did and buy it could, I would not recommend that. But if it shows up on Netflix and you've seen the first one or you're just looking for a double header, I mean, they're not bad movies. They're not great, but they're not bad movies. We've watched way worse movies. It's some interesting storytelling. I like the ideas. I still don't know if I agree with the wing commander who's going to kill all of them with a bioweapon that we somehow manufactured. I'm not even trying to get into the plot hole that is we built a bioweapon. I think he they steal the bioweapon and re-engineering like we're making yeah no. yeah yeah oh okay fair well, enough i mean it's uh, we just watched a movie called the tomorrow war in which the whole like i don't want to call it a macguffin but essentially at the end of the movie they our, our main character gets sent forward in time just so he could get this thing this bioweapon and bring it back to the past right so uh, i mean it's not outside the realm of possibility for me to believe that even with modern science we'd be able to be like if you have a species of people to experiment on this is going to get real dark um <laughs> that you wouldn't be able to figure out an easiest way to kill them well right? i guess like they didn't that's what that's what humans do i guess like there was suddenly a lap you know like it just it didn't feel like they really played up our scientific ingenuity in that particular regard, if that makes sense. It just, it felt to me like it's, she just stumbles across it. Oh, here it is. You know, I guess I I would have loved a little bit more setup for it. I think we're supposed to believe this place is the Australian area 51. Ah, okay. They just don't say it out loud. I think it's just, yeah, here's a secret military base in the desert. All right. Fair enough. You're right. No, you're right. (laughs) But uh, it's my bad for not getting that. I'm thinking about it after the fact. So (laughs) (laughs) like, I mean, we're doing that thing where we try to fix the movie. Yeah. And the movie does need fixing. It needs, I think it just needs to be edited. It needs to be re-edited and it needs to be two different movies. Would you agree that this movie's worth the price of subscription? And would you retroactively also say the first one is? 
I know last time you were pretty much very much against it. No. <laughs> While I do not believe either of these movies are worth the price of subscription, I believe you should still watch them because they are pretty important for Australian cinema. This is like the fifth Australian movie that we've seen, right? At least the at least one of the very few that's third that I can think of. Uh, what's the one with the spiders? Seven Guardians of the Tomb. Yes, that, that's an Australian Chinese mm-hmm. joint. I feel like there's another one that I cannot remember. Uh, I, I think that's but, it. This is another Saban Films distribution. Yeah, we're getting a lot of those. This is better than a lot of the other ones that have been pushing. No. This is better. Like, but, I mean, if I would say this is better than Breach. It's better than Cosmic Sin. And those are both movies that, or at least Breach, you said, was worth the price, I believe. So, yeah. it, but the length of this movie, it does trog. I, I kind of get it. There's a difference between a 87 minute long movie at this quality and a two hour and seven minute movie that, that this quality. So I guess retroactively, you could consider the original occupation worth the price of subscription because it's on Netflix. But I had to pay $6 to rent this movie. You rented it for $6? Yes. Really? I didn't want to get it on Amazon, and the only other place I could find it was YouTube. No, since I had to pay to see this one, I don't think it's... Yeah, I bought it for $10. I I threw him some money. So when it shows up on Amazon or something you're already paying for, yeah. Watch it. Yeah. Did you feel like it needed to be rated R? Was it rated R? It was rated R. (laughs) I don't even... uh, I guess no, since I didn't even notice. I mean, there's a lot of... Well, there's some language. The blood and gore... I think you could easily have edited this movie. Like, this is barely rated R. It could have easily been rated a PG-13. Now, I don't know how movie ratings work in Australia, because it was not rated R in Australia, because they don't have the same rating organization. Yeah. How does Australia rate movies? Australian classification. General, parental guidance, and mature. So I would assume this is rated M for mature there. Let's see. Hold yeah, on. like, I, I don't think it needed to be rated R because I don't even... I, I watched a Captain America movie the other day where he, you know, he slams his shield into someone's skull. And it probably crushed it and either killed or seriously damaged that person's brain. But yeah. there wasn't any blood. So it's okay, kids. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is rated M. Science you know? fiction themes, violence, and coarse language. Moderate yeah. impact under themes, violence, and language. They break it down. A mild impact on sex. I'm not even sure what con. Oh, there was. Yeah, there was like five seconds of that. No drug use, no nudity. So I feel like I don't know how it is in Australia. So I'm judging it from an American perspective. I feel like uh, if this was going to get released in theaters in America, it would have been cut for PG-13 just for the widest audience possible. Yeah. Since it is direct to DVD or VOD or stream or whatever, uh, rated R doesn't, I mean, it doesn't make a difference, right? It isn't stopping anyone. But I don't know how they handle that type of thing on the other side of the Pacific. I do know that, and I say this with semi-uneducated opinion, I believe that they are rather conservative in their views on things like violence. Mm. Because uh, there's a lot of games that you can't even buy in Australia that you can get here in the United States because it's too it's too violent or too adult or too mature or too offensive. Right. So like, I think there's like, it was one of the Grand Theft Autos had to be like, had to have its own special thing. Like Australia was like, you can release this game here if you do all these things. And then Rockstar just straight up told them. No. So I I found a breakdown from classification.gov.au. So at M for mature, M rated films and computer games are not recommended for children under the age of 15. They include portrayals of elements such as violence and themes that require a mature outlook. Yeah. So this is their equivalent of PG-13, I suppose. They don't have a 13. They go PG, 
M and then there's the more, which is unrestricted. So M, anyone could yeah. go see this like a 13 year old with a few dollars to go to the movie theater or how many ever dollar redos it is to go to the movie theater could go watch this. Uh, but then after that, there is an MA 15 plus, which is more restricted and then an R 18 plus and then X and some other stuff. So, okay. So it's, it's kind of sitting in the middle ground between PG 13 and R and this other system. So I guess that, I guess that makes sense right where it's at. Yeah. I, withdraw my judgment <laughs> i mean i i don't think it should have been rated r because i just like it just didn't feel like a rated r movie i mean aside from the language yeah well that's the thing yeah. though is that if because it yeah. is an australian film it gets its yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 15 plus rating or whatever m rating over there it comes over here it gets reclassified right. it, it, you know they, they're not worried about it like i said it's not they're not worried about it coming to american cinema so why would they care about our rating system of course yeah. so that makes sense so all right cool i learned something today all right. Well, I think that wraps up yeah. our review, I guess, our opinions on Occupation Rainfall. Is the second one going to be called Operation or Occupation Drought? <laughs> well, it sounded like they were going to call it Occupation Rainfall Chapter 2, which is way too many subtitles. That's a <laughs> subtitle for a subtitle. I'm out. Right, this is like Half-Life <laughs> 2 levels of subtitles. Done. I'm done. So Occupation done. Fallen Rain. Occupation Rainfall Chapter 2. The Resurgence. You know. <laughs> yeah, if you do somehow see this movie and you want to let us know how wrong we are, give your opinion about it, do share it with us. If you have suggestions for other movies we should watch, please reach out. We're always looking for something new. As long as it's generally sci-fi or sci-fi adjacent and it didn't have a theatrical re- release anywhere near us, we'll check a look at it. You can email us sci-fi wise guys at gmail.com you can also reach out to us on social media we're on instagram we're on twitter at sci-fi wise guys no dashes no spaces we also have a facebook group the sci-fi wise guys podcast group and after you've uh, done that and given up your anonymity by joining facebook head on over to your podcasting platform of choice like subscribe give us a rating five stars five stars please we definitely appreciate it and then after you've done all that shared us with your friends. You shared us with your enemies. You shared it with people you don't even know. Yes. You're sitting on the bus. I mean, we don't have much public transport here, but if you're just sitting on the bus or the train and you're listening to our podcast, just put it on speaker. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. That's uh, horrible. Why would you tell them to do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would fight. If, if that happened to me on a bus, I would be very upset. But after you've done all that, if you want to head on over to patreon.com forward slash sci-fi wise guys, become a patron, get access to episodes early, bonus content, Cut content that no one else gets to listen to, unless you're a patron. Stay healthy, stay hydrated, and just know that if there is an alien invasion, find a guy named Matt and a girl named Amelia. Amelia the human. (laughs) Stupid. Bye, guys. Bye. So you never answered me about which side you'd be on. Do we kill all of the aliens we're imprisoning and just total disregard? Or are we on Amelia's oh, side? I said I couldn't. I don't think you asked me that question. Oh, I was trying to get there. Maybe we just didn't quite. Oh. I'm pretty 50-50 oh. on it right now. Um, Didn't we have, we had, a, we had a similar moral quandary with another movie that I can't think of. Well, it was about um the androids in Extinction, right? Extinction? Yeah, Extinction. Where, where you asked me if I thought if I thought they were sentient or whatever. Uh, I mean, I, I think I'm in the same boat. Earth belongs to the humans. You gotta go. You don't gotta stay here. Or uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, fam. So...